Hey, what not the podcast? Pastor Wolfmuller here. January the 10th, year of our Lord, 2023, in Milwaukee, of all places. Uh, answering a question from Amanda about the sufficient. Hey, she says, if the scriptures are sufficient, why do you have the small catechism? It's a great question. It comes up a lot. So uh, here's a few thoughts on that. If you have thoughts or questions, wolfmuller.co slash contact. It'd be great to hear from you. And there's a way, if you go to the What Not the Podcast on the webpage, there's a button that you can press and you can leave an audio message recording. I don't know exactly how it works, and I don't know exactly how to add it to the podcast, but I'll bet you if you do that, if you do that right now, if you go and leave a message, I will figure it out, and we'll be able to hear your voice on the podcast. That'd be kind of cool. All right. Uh, Sufficiency of Scripture question from Amanda. Here we go. Amanda writes a question about the sufficiency of Scripture and the Lutheran Confessions, the small catechism. Uh, hi, Pastor Wolfmuller. I'm currently reading chapter two of your book, As American Christianity Failed. Thank you, man. I'm glad that you're reading it. Thanks for sending the question. If you're reading the book and you have questions, this is great. I'm so happy to be able to respond to these questions. I got a couple more people reading the book. So uh, fair warning, though, I think it just goes down. chapter two. It's kind of downhill from there. So you got the good part already. Anyway, Amanda continues. Uh, I agree with you that scriptures are enough. But a thought came to me, why bother reading the small catechism? Why bother reading the large catechism? Shouldn't the scriptures be enough to not have to be understood through the lens of Martin Luther? In my experience, it seems us Lutherans get caught up with what Martin Luther has to say about the scriptures, with the result being scripture and Luther. Maybe I'm misunderstanding or missing something. I'd like some clarity on these questions. Uh, thank you, Amanda. Well, Amanda, thank you. Great Great question, and a common question that comes up uh, quite a bit. If we say the scriptures are sufficient, then why do we need to say anything else? Why do we keep talking? Um, first, the sufficiency of scripture, we'll remember, is one of six attributes, maybe seven, of the Bible, that the Bible is inspired, breathed out by God, inerrant and infallible. That means it doesn't err, it can't err. I've been, I don't know why, Elon Musk keeps sending me these tweets from uh, this guy denying inerrancy. What is that guy's name? I've been trolling him on the Twitter now. I don't, I can't help myself. What did he say today about how inerrancy, um, inerrancy destroys the beauty of the scripture? And he's fighting against the sufficiency, inerrancy, and, and even inspiration of the Bible. I wanted to write back. No, I don't like sausages, and I'm busy on Wednesday. Because if it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't mean anything. Anyway, uh, what, what were we talking about? Oh, oh, yeah. So, inspired, inerrant, infallible. The scriptures are also clear. That's the perspicuity of the scripture, the understandability of the scripture. Efficacious. That's the power of the scripture. And the scripture not only gives us faith, but it's like the old picture, this beautiful picture the Lutheran fathers use. It's like a doctor who puts the medicine right into the mouth of the patient, or the man who has to lift up the beggar's hand to put the piece of bread into the hand to provide him for food. The, the, Lord's, the, word, the Lord's word is powerful even to create faith. And the scriptures are also sufficient, meaning that it is all that we need for doctrine and life. The Lord has provided everything for us there. Those are the six attributes. And then you can add a seventh, which is the Lord's word is good or the Lord's word is awesome. I, I think I added this myself because I saw people confessing all the other attributes of the scripture 
and and they don't don't read it. So we got to throw that one in there. Uh, so those are the attributes, and this the sufficiency of the scripture is the doctrine that the Lord has given us enough in His Word that it has not only all that we need to know, but all that we need to believe, and all the power of the Holy Spirit is working in there so that we might be saved and be his people. The sufficiency of the scripture does not mean that every piece of knowledge is in the Bible. You can't learn, for example, how to replace the muffler on your Toyota Sequoia from Amos. Or you can't learn how to code HTML uh, from Revelation. It doesn't tell you everything, but it does tell you everything you need to know for life and godliness. We see this, for example, in the temptation of Jesus when the devil is after him and he responds, uh, it is written. The scriptures are sufficient. That's all. It is written. And he quotes the scripture. Or 2 Timothy 3.16, which is the most important passage on divine inspiration of the scripture. All scripture is inspired by God, breathed out by God and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training up in righteousness so that the man of God might be equipped for every good work, uh, so that every good work is there provided by the Scripture. There's not a single good work uh, that is not taught by the Scriptures. There's the sufficiency of the Scripture. So then the question is, well, if we, if we confess the sufficiency of the Scripture, why do we have all this other stuff? And the reason is because the scripture itself tells us that it is to be taught and preached and confessed. First um, Timothy, for example, chapter 4, well, all of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, talks about that the, that the Lord's word must be taught. Matthew 28, go and be, make disciples, baptizing and teaching. So the Lord's word is not just to be announced, but it is also to be taught that there is a teacher who takes the text and brings that text in memorable ways to the students so that they can grasp a hold of it. The Lord's word is to be preached. Luke 24, for example, and all the other examples that, that we can bring out here, that, that the, the preacher is supposed to take the Lord's word and apply it by preaching law and gospel, by bringing the commands and the promises of God to, to bear on the minds and the hearts of the Lord's people uh, so that the Lord's word is not just heard read, but it's also preached. That's how it's intended to be. We see even examples of that. For example, when Peter stands up to preach, he, he brings the Old Testament scriptures, and in, in just thinking here of his Pentecost sermon, he brings these Old Testament scriptures, and then he applies them to what they're seeing and hearing there so that the scriptures are preached. And the scriptures are confessed. This is Matthew 10. This is a key verse. This is when people say, hey, uh, I've got no creed but the Bible. Bible alone means Bible alone. We don't have creeds and doctrines of men. Well, the Bible tells us to confess the doctrine. And Jesus says it like this. Whoever confesses me before men, I'll confess before the Father. Whoever denies me before men, I'll deny before the Father. So that the church is a confessing church, that means it takes the scripture and it and it speaks the scripture. Especially, it speaks the, the teaching and doctrine of the scripture against any error that would stand up against it. So you can't find the Apostles' Creed on any page in the Bible. And yet there's all these errors that came up in the early church, and so the church got together and brought that doctrine into this confession of the creed. So, uh, so while we have the sufficiency of the scripture, 
we also have those scriptures preached, taught, and confessed. And some of those preaching and teaching and confessions end up in books, and we cling to them, like the small catechism. The small catechism is Luther teaching the Bible. Uh, it was the tradition, which went way, way back. And we don't need the small catechism. We, we could teach the scriptures in other ways, but it's proven itself to be a very helpful tool for teaching the scriptures. If someone came up with a better one, we'd use that better one. In other words, there's no necessity of this teaching. There's no necessity that we would have the Apostles' Creed and the words that we have it, or the Nicene Creed, or the Augsburg Confession, or the sermons of St. Augustine. There's no, like, there's no need that we would have those. We, those aren't inspired by the Holy Spirit. And if someone has a problem with those from the Word of God, then we would say, well, yeah, no, you can get rid of it. But it, there is a necessity that the Word of God is going to be preached and taught and confessed. And we go back to the historic teaching and preaching and confessing of the Bible and rejoice in it. Now, we, we also test these things, like First John warns us to test the spirits, or like the Bereans. Remember how uh, this happened that Paul went down to Berea, and, and Luke tells us that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because... They receive the word with joy, but they tested it to see if it's true. So whenever we receive a preaching or teaching or confession that's apart from the word of God, then we test it against what the word of God says. But this maybe gets to back to the, mm, to the final point that's very important, and that is that the Bible is a book to be studied. It's understood that the Bible is just not a one-time shot. It's not like a John Grisham novel or something where you pick it up and you read it and you put it down. But the Bible intends to be memorized, to be turned into hymns and poems, to be meditated on, to, to, be, um, to be summarized and expanded, to be taught and applied and preached and confessed in all these different ways. And what we have in the small and large catechism is a really brilliant uh, teaching of the scripture. But, again, it's not necessary. And if you don't like it, uh, use something else. No big deal. Because the Bible is, in fact, sufficient. I just, I don't know how you have the Bible and not like that stuff. But There you go. So, Amanda, I hope that's helpful. It's a great question. hope this is helpful for all you whatnoters listening out there. Thanks for being along for the ride. Thank you for being part of the fun here, whatnot the podcast, keeping things going. Uh, all the stuff's on the website, wolfmealer.co, including the way to send these questions. Um, it's great. Also, events coming up in Colorado. Wait, no, no. Colorado happened last week. Uh, where are we? We are in Milwaukee. No, D.C. next week. That'll be cool. If you're at the March for Life, let me know. Maybe... I don't know how the best way to get a hold of me. You can send me an email at the contact. You can maybe send a direct message on Twitter. And I, I don't know if I've ever actually gotten one. That might work. Anyway, let me know if you're going to be at the March for Life. That'll be a lot of fun. And then we're going to March for Life January 28th down in Texas. Join us for that. All this stuff is on the events part of the webpage. So that's there. Please keep the questions coming for what not the podcast or thoughts. This is a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, so trying to figure out how to, how to do it even on the go. So... Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, oh, uh, Whatnot uh, is it's coming out of a free weekly newsletter, Wednesday Whatnot. I wonder if I'll be able to do that tomorrow. 
Anyway, it's free. Your subscription for that helps cover the cost for some of these other things as well. It doesn't get you anything extra. It's just helpful. So thanks for subscribing if you got some extra. Uh, otherwise, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, God's peace be with you.